0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. And I've got the excellent Ryan Hager of Android Police here with me hi ryan how are you
1: i good miriam how are you doing
0: oh i'm doing peachy well i'm getting ready to fly out to mwc tomorrow so i'm juggling a million things that's also why we're doing the podcast on wednesday and not later in the week but um there'll be more next week folks so
1: you're getting out there early doesn't start till next week
0: well you know press stuff getting acclimatized you know, lots of ifs, like, you know, international travel. It's not my first time leaving the country during COVID, but I know there's a lot, like, of forms to fill and paperwork. You'd be surprised how bureaucratic the whole process is. So I figure, you know, we're heading a bit into the unknown, even though I've done MWC for over a decade before COVID. There's a lot has changed in terms of accreditation, you know, using the app now there's no longer badges. You have to kind of jump through a whole bunch of hoops even after you get to Barcelona. So mm, you know, I just want to relax. Sorry. I don't want yeah. also, you know, I get there, I sleep, I catch up a little bit on jet lag, get some local sims, you know, and then most importantly, I sit down and do the schedule because I'm one of those people who does this at the very last minute. <laughs> some people are not gonna get. To see me because I will prioritize other things because that's what happens when you're a team of one or two in this case. But Theo's coming. Anyway, I want to talk to you about gaming phones because huh, I have thoughts. What about you?
1: I've I've got a few opinions on the subject, and I I my opinion has changed, which which might be interesting.
0: Well, let's start with that. What has changed for you before we dive into the details?
1: Well, I used to think uh, gaming phones were sort of like. I don't know, superfluous, because even like with my Android-centric focus, you look at the hardware and the uh, the games that come to each platform, and you can't. I never really felt that you could make the uh, uh, the straight, bold-faced claim that uh, uh, Android was a gaming like platform compared to iOS. If you want the best gaming phone, you should just get an iPhone. It has a better GPU. Uh, more of the games uh, are exclusive to its platform than to Android. There's there's really not a whole lot of reason to like buy a dedicated Android phone just to play games, in my mind. But my opinion has changed in the last year, and uh, I think that not only have the devices themselves started to kind of mature, even if the software is still universally pretty trash, um, yeah. but the the market is, uh, is growing more than I thought it would. I thought it was... Uh, just something they were, you know, trying to make stick. Manufacturers were hoping this was going to happen, but they actually saw the rise of uh, uh, mobile gaming in emerging markets in Indonesia and China and India um, that, uh, like, really are sustaining this. And uh, coupled with Google's renewed focus on uh, uh, bringing mobile games to Windows with, uh, I can't remember the name of what it was called, and uh, Qualcomm's reference design to bring a uh, uh, mobile gaming device uh, to I mean, still, it's just a reference design, it's for developers, but I think we're going to see products based off of it as well. So between all of these different things that are occurring, I, I don't think it's just a fad, and I don't think it's just some dumb thing that manufacturers are trying to make happen. I think this is real, it's legit, it's growing, and it might actually turn Android into the sort of gaming platform that uh, people might have wanted it to be when this started. It could actually happen now.
0: Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's a little sh- short sighted to say you just buy an iPhone because in many markets, the iPhone is way more expensive than these gaming phones, number one. And number two, you do need accessories with the iPhone. I mean, realistically, you know, you could argue you still need Some sort of like clamp thing that gives you manual uh, sticks and stuff like that, you know, hold, hugs your phone, right? Uh, For an Android as well. But for an an iPhone, you pretty much need that because you're not getting shoulder buttons, which at least I think are a minimum requirement if you're going to have a gaming phone, right? And then, you know, some of the cooling solution we're seeing now, you know, arguably again, the iPhone has extremely good thermals, but, you know, these new chips like the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 get warm, and if you cool them a little better, they really can do a great job in terms of performance. Um, I guess that segues into my Red Magic 7 review, because what blew my mind the most about this phone is how good the thermals are, considering so far all the Few flagships we have tested with Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 have throttled like crazy. Now, you use them day to day and they're fine. Battery life is great. You know, they they perform well even if you play like demanding games. But if you're playing like for a few hours or even a few minutes in a row long term, you're going to suffer on a Galaxy S22 of some kind, right? Or OnePlus 10 Pro. I mean, the Chinese model. I haven't tested it, but I've seen, you know, Enobong's video on board at work. It really shows it. And so I experienced it with the S22 Ultra in my testing and the S22 Plus. But here on the Red Magic 7, like even with the fan turned off, I was only hitting 92% of max performance after 20 minutes, which is amazing. And then with the fan on, I was hitting 96%. I've never seen that kind of thermal performance, even on previous Red Magic phones. So we're nerding out here, but what it means for those of you who don't know is that basically, you know, these chips are staying cool in these phones and you're getting the maximum possible performance out of the phone for as long as you're playing. And I think that's the big deal with esports Gamers, for example, who, you know, they're not just playing, you know, a quick game here and there while they're waiting in line at the bank or something, right? They're actually like competitive players or whatever, or they play a lot. And uh, yeah, they're going to probably run out of battery pretty quick. But that's why these phones can also charge while they game um, and do that well. So, but anyway, you know, the Red Magic 7, if I had to summarize, is the same kind of thing that Red Magic's been doing. Great value, great hardware, uh, fan cooling built-in. So it's got a built-in 20,000 RPM fan. Um, It's got, you know, really good specs, but then, you know, the cameras are just kind of there. Actually, they're pretty decent on paper and there's a decent chip there. So I think it's just a software issue. And again, the software in general, you know, is pretty abysmal. It's, it's It's gotten a lot better. I didn't get too many bugs this time around. It's just it's very disjointed and very aesthetically weird and generally just not pleasant to use. Uh, their game mode, though, is pretty solid in terms of features. I and mean, once you get wrap your head around the user interface, it's fine. I just feel like, you know, there was a time and I wrote this article, actually, I think maybe on Android Police about, Should you buy a gaming phone if you want to save money and just have a flagship? Like, you're not a gamer. You want a flagship. You want that performance. You want those specs. And the takeaway was no, maybe at worst, but no at best, because you're going to sacrifice on imaging and that software. And again, I have asked Red Magic. I have actually asked Red Magic PR, can you tell me what your update policy is on OS and security? And they were unable to answer that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like even though these things have great hardware, you're you're compromising quite a lot on software and software penetrates into so many different things. It, it can have a bigger impact than you think.
0: And personally, I get it because somewhat, because you're a gamer, you want the latest chip. You're gonna buy a new phone in a year, right? But what if the software is so bad, like it is on the Red Magics, that you, you need you need bug fixes and they're not going to deliver them? That's the big issue. That's why I want them to issue some sort of commitment for software updates, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be a good thing to do, but it might be asking a little bit much. A lot of these companies, uh, um, not necessarily with uh, uh, the Red Magic, but like uh, uh, if we end up t- talking about the Black Shark, uh, some of them like to debut uh, new devices based on hold hardware, partly to save money. And, uh, that probably has an impact on the software update schedule as well.
0: For sure. Yeah. So basically, you know, my review is on hot hardware. I'll link it in the show notes. You know, it's $629 for a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 flagship with US 5G bands here today. I mean, it starts March 10th, the orders, but like, that's impressive. But again, you know, unless you value user experience, and cameras, you know, um, that's, that's about the only reason why, I mean, if you value those things, you're not going to buy that. You're going to buy a galaxy S 22 or something else. And if you don't value those then you know, yeah, maybe if all you're doing, this is a second phone for you, and all you're doing is gaming a hundred percent. That's my take.
1: Sounds about right to me. Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, in general, I feel like, can we get the gaming phone people to just improve the software a little bit and the camera experience. Can you at least reach Moto level, which I know is a low bar, but I'm asking if we can get to Moto's level of camera performance? Because then, I mean, I would be much more gung-ho about recommending these phones to people, right?
1: Yeah, I mean... I
0: think that part of the
1: reason is they they want to be cutthroat about pricing and software is one of the most expensive things you can do in a product like this is developing software. So if the the only solution I can really think of is if they were able to, I don't know, license uh, an OS from another partner um, but you know, know they're that. part
0: of a big group like Nubia makes phones and they're part of the ZT greater zeitgeist of uh, companies and like they have access to good imaging stacks I mean they're not the best but they're there and then you know the other thing I don't understand is like if you look at the game space on the Red Magic that's really well thought out and well made and other than the weird translations which is fine that's easy to fix again but they'll never issue a software update so you won't get fixes but it's still like They've optimized the software to really take advantage of that Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 experience and to really optimize the fan performance and stuff. So they're spending some money on software. I'm not asking them to like give us a Galaxy or Pixel or or like iPhone level of imaging here, but I'm, you know, can you give us at least like, I don't know, mid-range Xiaomi level of imaging? That would be nice. (laughs) Like, And I feel like you can just buy that white labeled from someone, you know?
1: Especially now that uh, uh, Qualcomm is licensing out some of their camera processing tech. Uh, I know you've always had the, you know, the base processing that's in CAF, which is presumably what uh, uh, their software is based off of. But now Qualcomm is like straight up licensing here. Here's camera processing tech. You know, you pay us, you can use it. Uh, So maybe they'll start doing that in future generations here. It could even be that they did it on the uh, Red Magic uh, uh, 6R, or the 7, sorry. because I know the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 supports some of the new uh, camera processing features that they're licensing, but I don't know. I'm not seeing it.
0: Like it's it's not horrible. Like also they kind of cheapened out a little bit because the Red Magic 6 series had a Sony IMX 686 64 megapixel sensor, pretty solid chip that's got good software support and general well tuned imaging on from multiple manufacturers. And they went to some, you know, 0.7 micron sensor instead, which is like maybe an Omnivision or a Samsung. And it's definitely lesser. It's still 64 on paper, but the pixels are smaller. And, and so in daylight, it's fine. You start doing zoom, uh, you know, it falls apart after like 3X, 4X. And because they're not even doing any kind of intelligent AI-based zooming, which everybody else pretty much is doing. Xiaomi is doing it on $200 phones right now. You know, on their 108 megapixel sensors, they're actually giving delivering AI like, you know, not quite as good as super zoom or whatever it is on pixel, but almost that. And <laughs> it pays off. And then they're not doing any of that. They're basically just like, you know, averaging pixels, right? And then the other thing is low light. Like they're you pretty much have to shoot in night mode to get anything that resembles something out of like a Snapdragon flagship from even a year or two ago and then if you shoot without night mode it's just like you know as i said like a bad motor phone that costs 200 (laughs) bucks it's sad but you know look it's not what you buy those phones for i get it but wouldn't it be nice if you know for those of you who are budget conscious who can't buy an iphone to game wouldn't it be nice to spend that six hundred and twenty nine dollars get your 5g get your snapdragon 8 gen 1 and oh look at that! I was able to take some decent pictures when I went to the restaurant with my friends after the esports game. You know. Oh well. Anyway, I could go on. What other gaming phones have you played with? Um, <clears throat> I actually
1: haven't played with any uh, since the uh, the Qualcomm uh, demo at the summit last December. The uh, the handheld, which I cannot remember the name of. I don't know why. But that was, was that it was made last...
0: with Razer?
1: It was, yeah, yeah, and that thing was very sweet. And I, I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be super dumb because, like, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you know, I was, I was a big critic of uh, of gaming phones in you general. You a and I was, critic,
0: like, Ryan, of anything?
1: Yeah, but I sat down and played with it for like about ten minutes, and like just playing with it in that p- time period changed my mind. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like, it's not going to be a switch. Um, I doubt it's going to attract the really high end developer effort right off of the bat. But uh, there was some potential there. I, I You could tell the performance was like miles better than what you can get off of the Switch. Uh, between that uh, approach upmarket, or I should say, between the, the approach that Qualcomm is doing to bring phone gaming up into the portable level, and between uh, um, Steam's efforts to bring uh, with their portable unit down from the PC gaming. I'm, I'm really curious to see uh, in the next year or two how all of that's going to pan out and whether we're going to see a bigger victory from scaling down or scaling up. Uh, so I, I think gaming phones are right on the edge of, of that as well because it's sort of the same moving up from below strategy.
0: I kind of feel that, yes, you're right. And, and more so the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 is the first chip where I really feel like It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, you know, the 888 was thermally a little critical, but it didn't really quite deliver the absolute oomph you needed. The eight Gen 1 is reaching iPhone 13 levels of performance in some cases. But, you know, it can also give you tons of battery life and be super chill if it has to be. Uh, I mean, chill literally, like, but also chill like, you know, Run at less energy and less, you know, power, and and that to me is the first time I think we've really seen such a dichotomy, because if you start actively cooling this thing with a fan or the proper multi-layer, you know, passive cooling that Red Magic is using, is I, I mean they went in great depth and they just I they went way over my head. It's like graphene and a whole bunch of stuff in there, and I'm like, if you start doing that, that thing can come close to. Like some serious oomph. Like, that's why I think this handheld razor thing, I know it's running a different platform from Qualcomm, but but I'm seeing like imagine if they tweaked the the 8 Gen 1 and renamed it and put a fan on it. And it said, with a fan on it, this is what we can do. That thing had a fan, right? So yeah. I think this is this is kind of where we're going. Now, you know, I hate to be that person, but I'd like to remind everybody in the room, engineers in particular, that the Apple M1 chips still blow everything like that out of the water without a fan Um, in, mind your laptop form factor. But, it you know, I could totally see Apple making a game system or a even game set-top box with uh, some M1 or A15 Bionic derivative that would still eat the pants off of the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 simply because you pretty much have to cool that chip right now to really get the most out of it. So that that sounds very Intel to me, you know? (laughs) That sounds like it's not mobile anymore at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly. A lot of this, it, it's going to be curious to see which approach uh, works best, uh, especially as ARM scales for, you know, higher TDPs and uh, active cooling is necessary. Uh, one thing I will mention is the the Qualcomm portable that was made with Razer. Um, although they're marketing it under another name, uh, I was told, um, not from Qualcomm, uh, I was told by someone uh, who, I, who I trust in the matter that it's actually just a Snapdragon uh, 888. So the, uh, the portable chip that's in the, uh, uh, the unit they developed with Razer uh, razor is just an 888.
0: Okay. But it's cool, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yes. It's actively cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's what I meant. Fan. Okay. That makes sense. And maybe that's, you know, that's it. Then that's just the prototype of the same thing they're going to do with an 8 Gen 1 renaming it. Could be. A bespoke product. I mean, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, but, um. Yeah, let's see. I've played with most of the Red Magics. I've played with uh, the early Razors, uh, the Razor Original and the Second Gen, and I've played with the first two or maybe first three ROG phones, and then I haven't since then. And I've never played with any of the Black Sharks. They look the coolest with those they magnetic really do. treaters.
1: Yeah, I, 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 of all of them, uh, if I was. To try to play with one uh, that came out in the last year or two would probably be the uh, uh, the new uh, Black Shark 4 Pro because the the idea of those magnetic triggers having used so many units with the capacitive triggers that suck. Yeah, uh, I really want to see like if those are actually any good and the tactile feedback and what it's like.
0: Physical triggers, and then the other thing was. A Lenovo the Legion phone I've never I mean I haven't seen it it exists obviously I've seen plenty of videos from my friends over on YouTube but um, it's intriguing to me that they also you know join that party and of course Poco as well um, which is funny because we have Black Shark which is Xiaomi but Poco has been making some Poco branded affordable gaming phones like mid-range specs like with Dimensity chips and stuff and there's I think was that the phone Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that the phone that had the trigger buttons that would physically raise up with a little, uh, like it had a, a little slider on it? It was, you, you slid it and clunk, they would raise out of the body of the phone. So when you didn't need them, they didn't protrude and you could put it in your pocket more conveniently. It was something like that.
1: That's pretty cool. I was unaware of that.
0: And then I think another company, and I want to say either Legion or ROG. So either... um. Lenovo RSUs did the uh, the electric triggers that raised. Do you remember that? Which phone was that? I think
1: the black. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think the black shark ones are are. Uh, um, they they used to lift and lower, or do they on the most recent one? Because it was like magnetic, some sort of magnetic action, or, or
0: am I wrong? I don't know that's the thing I, I we have to look it up folks if you know let us know on Twitter cuz I not I don't want to just google it right now but I mean there are some cool things happening and you know I'm not a big fan of gamer aesthetic but I have to say the transparent red magic 7 that I have like, it's mostly transparent now everything under that transparent layer of glass is really not real like it's like they have these plastic covers over the real parts and the plastic covers are stenciled with like fake circuit board traces and and a fake Snapdragon HN1 chip, and it's all very well done. But the things that are real under that uh, transparent back are the fan. You can see it clearly. It's also LED backlit, which is cool. It's uh, four colors. And then uh, it also has the real screws that hold together everything. So um, it is interesting. You know, it's full of little stenciled text bits, they say things like 20,000 RPM fan and like, (laughs) you know, 64 megapixel AI camera and...
1: Obsessed with specs that don't actually matter, <sighs> matter. in terms but of the gaming phone, yeah.
0: It's kind of quaint, you know, like I know some people get off on this because the gaming aesthetics obviously exist for a reason, but man, like if you want something that stands out, like once you have the fan lit backlit and you're holding it in your hand and the Red Magic logo is lighting up, it's breathing in red, and you're holding this to your ear while taking a phone call, people are going to notice, let me tell you. <laughs> I hate that ostentatious crap. It drives me nuts. So do I, but I just want to give them some love, okay? There are some people (laughs) who are going to love that stuff. So That's true. But yeah, but I think you're right. The Black Sharks are the best looking ones. They're ostentatious, but I think they're doing it tastefully. I don't know if that's possible, but...
1: They're a little more understated than some of the others. It's still sort of that, you know, too extreme gaming vibe. But yeah, it's it's slightly more toned down compared to the Red Magic, I think.
0: So speaking of the Black Shark 4 Pro, it's coming to the US and Europe after coming out in the rest of the world like, I don't know, a long time ago, back in 2021 sometime. And it's got an 888, not the 8 Gen 1. But if you're looking for something and it's a little more affordable, the Red Magic 7, which is already pretty affordable, then I think you should check it out. There you go. That's my public service announcement, my (laughs) PSA for the day. Um, do you want to switch to talking about the elephant in the we do not understand what's going on with this branding and marketing room which is oppo and OnePlus. because every time i think i i'm scratching my head and i should maybe stop and just accept that it's weird something else comes along that makes it weirder yeah it's
1: it's such an odd situation and i don't I'm not sure OnePlus even understands really what they're doing anymore under the new organizational effort. I don't know.
0: I don't want to say this. I don't want to be mean because I have a lot of respect, but I think Pete has lost the plot a little bit. Or if I, there is a yeah. plot, it is still very hard for us to see where it's going. Yeah. I I, sh- I should rewind and not say this because, look, it's not that I'm upset or worried about Pete. Pete can take the criticism. It's just more, I'm rewinding to the early days of COVID. I'm in my camper van, my Volkswagen camper, and I'm traveling up to Seattle. It's lovely. It's our first long road trip on COVID. We've like stocked up with groceries that we're not having to interact with anyone. We can cook in the van, eat in the van, and I'm working. Of course, Every day I'm sitting down with my laptop and I'm typing and writing and doing some work. And I had a Reno 5 Pro with me from Oppo. At the time that was their flagship mid-ranger. And I loved it. It was a really nice phone. Except it was the cheapest, nastiest, ugliest fit and finish CMF build materials colors that you can imagine. Actually, the color was awesome, it was this beautiful blue. But I was looking at it, thinking to myself, this is two years ago. I'm thinking to myself, what happened to you, Oppo? The Reno series was affordable flagship, premium mid-range, aluminum and glass you know, nicely made, well-specced mid-range phones. And here we are, this thing feels like it should be a real me phone and it costs the price of an Oppo phone and it's plastic all around. It's a good phone, but you're not trying hard enough. And what I'm seeing right now is a lot of that kind of cultural malaise coming back, but for one plus. And and I'm pointing that out because I think Oppo has recovered. See, I've got the Reno 7 Pro here. Aluminum frame, glass back, you know, some really nice specs for the money. And now I can understand the justifiable pricing that, you know, the Renos have always commanded a little more in the mid-range because they were always a little better. And now they're back to that. So kudos for that. But I think like OnePlus, like what's going on? Okay, like, first of all, we get the OnePlus 10 Pro in China only with color OS. And we still haven't heard anything from OnePlus about a global launch. Even though there were rumors we were going to hear about a global launch this week with uh, Nord CE2. And, you know, I'm going to MWC and they told me, you can come by our booth. We will have the OnePlus 10 there. You can take some photos. But I'm like... Great, like everyone and their friend on YouTube has ordered a Chinese version or somehow borrowed from D brand or whatever, a Chinese version of the OnePlus 10 Pro, and has already quote unquote reviewed it. Like you, you, you kind of took the wind out of our sails there, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah, Pete, in but- terms
1: of coverage, I, I don't. I don't anticipate, given how late they were to debut them in the U.S. market, that we're going to get a ton of attention. And most people have already they've come to a determination uh, based on the current software situation, which you know itself is still kind of confusing. The OSs were merging, and we know that the current ones have a shared code base, and yet the merger actually won't happen until the next release. So what's going on? Like, uh, yeah, like you said, they've they've lost the plot. They they don't know what they're doing.
0: It's very evolutionary. That's the other thing. Like I, you know, the phone, cosmetically looks good. and, And I want to believe that the cameras are better because now there's an extra year of Hasselblad partnership. But what I'm seeing here, like the choice of sensors, for example, like no longer have that awesome 50 megapixel ultra wide, you know, and I see the leaked and rumored specs for the Oppo Find X5 Pro, You know, there's rumor of in-body stabilization and all kinds of crazy stuff for the cameras and IMX 766, 50 megapixel, like super awesome sensors. And I'm like, seriously? So that's why I'm kind of holding my breath for an Ultra because there's been rumors of an Ultra, a 10 Ultra. That'll be the the North American flagship that's going to compete with the S22 Ultra and maybe they can undercut it in price and we're all very happy because I personally don't care that OnePlus is trying to make phones that compete with the best. I just want them to make these phones with good software at a slightly lower price. That's all I want. Right? And that,
1: that loops back around to our issue with the gaming phones, and that is that software is expensive. And if OnePlus keeps wanting to try to compromise in different ways to, you know, I don't know what necessarily their motivation is, if it's, if it's purely uh, based on money, or if it's just that they want to um, decrease uh, overhead costs with uh, by developing things together with Oppo. But if they want to debut something at an ultra-level flagship in the US, the current software will not work. That is a guaranteed failure.
0: And so, you know, now we're having rumors this week of a OnePlus 10 non-pro and based on how crappy, I'm sorry, but it was, the OnePlus 9 non-pro was last year. Like, I am sorry. I know it's been, what, eight months or something and I'm still butthurt about the plastic frame, although that's less of an issue because fine. But the lack of OIS on a good sensor that is Hasselblad branded. Who the hell at OnePlus approved that? Moreover, who the hell at Hasselblad didn't put a big stop sign in people's faces? Yeah, I know it's (laughs) money, but I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm curious to see how this is going to pan out. I am actually slightly excited for, uh, more excited for OnePlus's mid-range stuff because uh, I really see them as uh, uh, separately from their own I'll, you know, I'll be upfront. Their own uh, repeated decisions that result in failure. Um, I'm really curious to see how they're going to impact the U.S. market as a, a historical uh, customer of MediaTek. And I really like to see. Uh, you, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, I really want to see more competition in the U.S. chipset space, and I think MediaTek is is poised to to really bust out of the mid-range and into the high-end, and OnePlus, if they start using more uh, MediaTek parts as they have in the past, uh, we they could be a vehicle for this.
0: Absolutely. Amen to that. I'll tell you what, as much as I bag on the Oppo, OnePlus, weirdness, marketing, you know, where's what's the strategy? Where are we going here? And the last year's flagship being kind of may, and clearly this year so far being kind of may as well, I was blown away by the Nord 2 last year. Like, we didn't get it, but I managed to get OnePlus to send me one. Hey, look at it. 50 megapixels Sony IMX 766 with OIS when the 9 didn't have OIS. Like, come on, right? Okay, and get this, MediaTek Dimensity 1200. It was rocking. That phone was so good. The software on that was Oxygen, but using the ColorOS code base. So it was actually the first merged one. And frankly. Yes, it's not the Oxygen we had on the OnePlus 7 Pro, which is probably the best Oxygen we ever had, but, or maybe the 8 Pro. But it, is, it definitely didn't upset me or bug me at all. It was solid. And so, you know, I see that phone and that price point They were selling it at in, in other markets, and I'm saying this should be a T-Mobile carrier phone because this could be like an iPhone SE destroyer or an, a Galaxy A-series competitor, right? Exactly. I mean, it blew everything away, like in terms of specs for that price point. So that's the real OnePlus I expect to see. But then I saw what Realme was doing and Realme was doing the same thing for about the same price in other markets. So, you know, this is actually bringing Realme into it here is really important because I feel like as much as I'm on board with what you're saying, especially for the US market, where they've established the brand, especially on the N-series Nords, which are the North American Nords, um, I, I think that's valid, but Realme is really the new OnePlus. If you look at Realme's lineup right now, all the way up to the GT2 Pro or whatever, the, the high-end Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 phone they have, all the way down to the most recent one I got that we discussed last week, the Realme 9 Pro Plus. I know the name is crazy. <laughs> Ryan, hold on to your kneecaps. Let me describe this to you for a second. $350 phone, actually $335. Okay. MediaTek Dimensity 920. Okay. 90 Hertz OLED. Okay. Sony IMX 766 with optical image stabilization. $335. That's not a bad price. It's a great phone. Can you get it in the US with US band
1: support? Because that's the Um,
0: issue. eh, No, it's basically the same as any Oppo and Realme I've imported. It, It works on... Well, it has, I think, band N2 or N5, but AT&T, that's an at and band, basically. But NTNT doesn't, you know, certify. It has whitelisted, so you can't, you know, you can't use it. It does LTE on AT&T. On Timo, it, it sees 5G. It gives you the 5G indicator when we actually run tests as LTE because it's connected via an LTE network, but it sees that there's 5G availability. And then uh, it drops to HSPA Plus on Timo quite a bit. So it's missing LT bands for that as well. But look, that's also true of the Oppo Find X3 Pro last year that I used for three months. It's a flagship and I could not always get 5G on T-Mobile. I was getting HSP plus and LT a lot of times. So I mean, yeah, that's an issue, but I'm saying like not everybody listening here is based in the U S you know? And so if you're looking for, if you're kind of a camera person, a camera centric person, and you don't want to spend a lot of money right now, the, Cheapest non iPhone you can buy with OIS that has a good sensor and a really good imaging stack all the way across, good results, good good you know good software for the imaging is this Realme Nine Pro Plus. The Plus particularly can't get the other ones; they don't have OIS. But the um, only other phone I can think of at that price point with OIS right now that's not an iPhone is the TCL Twenty 5G or whatever from last year, and that you know the imaging. You know, it has, the, it has the hardware, but the software, the imaging stack is is TCL. It's not as bad as Moto, but not great. So yeah. whereas here, you're basically getting BBK Group's best um, for 335 So, you know, Realme, I think, is the one I want. You know, obviously, I, I don't think it's going to come to the US, but if I had to pick a BBK Group right now, product line that I feel really, really is representing the old OnePlus, it's Realme. You know,
1: so yeah, that would be nice, just more competition in the u s market period would be nice with all the consolidation we've seen, loss of l g one plus pulling a one plus
0: <laughs> well t c l at least has come to kind of fill the gap in some ways
1: i had expected more from tcl kind of when they first debuted uh, their new hardware i was like oh you know this is great you know they've got all that experience in tvs they're going to start making phones in the mid-range they'll work their way up market uh, you know this is this is going to be a great entrance great for pre- the competition in the market uh, great for customer choice <sighs> i i uh, they haven't been doing enough they've been moving so slowly they're still stuck in the mid-range i don't know i i had i had expected them to have bigger plans than they seem to
0: you know, I think this is actually, an, we should take an aside and have this discussion about Samsung and the fact that we have a duopoly of Apple and Samsung now in the high end and it's going to be hard to break for anyone. So I don't want to give TCL too much of the hard time on that simply because even Moto can't break it and they've been doing flagships on and off for years. I mean, yeah. the Moto X, come on, like that was a flagship back in the day and people loved it. I mean, everyone played in the flagship space. OnePlus did, now they're no longer competitive lg i mean some of their phones were incredible at the high end the thing is that it doesn't seem to be the quality of the
1: phones that even really matter because we've had some quote some uh, relative stinkers out of samsung even as their growth continued so like it's just marketing marketing and retail it's partnerships. actually That's something all else i'm
0: come to realize you you're right 100 percent is marketing but it's also the carriers yeah exactly do not want they basically want to give you like everything in the u.s republicans versus you know democrats like iPhone versus, you know, Android. You only get two choices. Our brains are size of peas. We're stupid people who can't make decisions if we have more than two choices. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But at the same time, I'm seeing that happening real. And you know what? I think it's not just marketing with Samsung. It's curious to some extent, but it's also, how is it that Samsung, every time they launch a new product, anything that's expensive, has Trade-in offers that are unbelievable. How can they? Do they subsidize that themselves? Because I'm
1: sure they did for a while. But have you noticed? I don't know if you've been following the trade-in offers over the last three years. Because I looked at them uh, when we were uh, uh, covering the the changes. Uh, I noticed that they were they were offering more money for the standard version of the uh, Galaxy, the original Galaxy Flip than the uh, fancy, whatever, Tom Brown edition. They, they oh, would actually okay. give you $50 <laughs> less for the one that cost two grand. Um, but uh, they've, they've been cutting back the amount that they subsidize uh, the trade-ins for. Uh, I know there's that really amazing AT&T uh, trade-in that anyone who's on right. AT&T, anyone, anyone who's listening, like, go do this tomorrow. If you have any Samsung phone released in like the last 10 years, they will give you a free S21. Just go do it
0: s21 or s22
1: oh sorry s22 uh but yeah just like take advantage of that right now because that's a great deal like galaxy s2 sitting in a drawer you haven't touched for eight years they'll take it you get a free s22 are you
0: kidding <laughs> no. do you have to be a customer or what i think you have
1: to be a customer
0: um i'm which doing is, it i don't really need an s22 but screw it i might as well have you one around. yeah and then i'll call david kogan and get it unlocked and call it a day because you know the unlockers got you covered. Uh there advertising. <laughs>
1: um, but, uh, I do think, um, uh, they subsidize it more than they used to. It seemed like there was, uh, um, you, you might remember, uh, last year and a little bit the year before there were, uh, rumors that, uh, Samsung was being, uh, investigated internally. They, uh, they do these regular reviews to see how the different divisions are doing. And they did one early for the mobile division because, um, Uh, I guess revenue was falling, costs were increasing with the development of folding phones and everything else. And so they, they sort of like placed the division under review. And I think as as a result of that, as a result of their declining flagship sales and as a result of uh, uh, concerns potentially regarding profitability, they have dropped some of the subsidies for the trade-ins. If you look at the values now compared to the values uh, a year ago, two years ago, they're giving less for phones than they used to uh, compared to fair market value. It's still a decent value. It's still better trade-in than like Google will offer or Apple will offer, but they aren't doing this sort of like actually crazy trade-in values they did before where you could get a phone for like 200 bucks uh, trading in something that was like four years old.
0: Interesting. Yeah, but it's still like one of the ways I think that they've really eaten OnePlus's lunch and others, right? Like, because, you know, even I, who is not the biggest diehard Samsung fan, I just reviewed the S22 Ultra and Plus for hot hardware last week and we covered that with uh, Tech Me Out last week on the show. But, you know, it's like, They're great phones. Even I, who is a cynical, jaded tech journalist who's like, oh, Samsung again, roll eyes. You know, like, I kind of want to hate them, but I can't anymore. The S22 Ultra is a massively good phone. Like, I I cannot fault people for walking into a store and going, yeah, I'm an Android user. I'm buying the Samsung this year. You know, because that's it. Like, they're getting their family plan. They're on Verizon for a decade. They're all going to get a good deal. They don't care about Unlocked, whatever. Like, I cannot be mad at them for it. Like, it is such a good phone. Holy crap balls.
1: And that exactly, uh, the situation you just described, uh, the anecdote you shared, the hi- the image of the, f- the uh, family man coming in and uh, buying a phone in the carrier store perfectly describes exactly why Samsung is successful. And that is that they have the marketing budget uh, to uh, uh, make sure that everybody's aware of who they are and their products every time they land. And secondarily, they have the retail channel partnerships. Uh, you go to the carrier stores and Samsung's in every single store. And that's the, one of the few reasons that we're seeing OnePlus grow at the rate that they are. Uh, if you've seen um, some of the recent reports out of uh, CounterPoint, uh, CounterPoint uh, said that they've grown something like 150% or 200% in the last uh, two years in the US. And that overlaps perfectly, coincides like just precisely with their partnership with T-Mobile. Absolutely. So all, of their, all of their growth that they're seeing has to do with being in retail channels uh, that but they if you weren't able to walk- do
0: walk in a T-Mobile store right now, you still won't find it until you go to the back of the room. Whereas yeah. the Samsung and iPhones are going to be in your face. Even the A-Series is going to be in your face before you get to an N200 5G, which, by the way, is a phenomenal little phone, okay? So I'm actually super excited about the N-Series. I hear rumors, bear with me, I've been hearing these rumors for a while now, of an N20 5G to replace the N10, which was eh, okay, like but not great. yeah. The, the 100 I never played with, it was a 4G phone. The 200 5G though, mm, yum, considering. But if you can get me the specs for the 25G would be similar to the uh, CE2 5G that was launched in Europe. I'll link to John Porter's review on The Verge because it's a really good review and I really like John. He's been on my show. He has a really good insight being UK based on you know, the kind of the other side of OnePlus, the one we don't see because we don't get these phones. Um, And they just launched a C2 and the N25G would be very similar. It would have AMOLED, it would have, you know, a decent camera system, it would be definitely a step up from the N200 5G, but still be really affordable, less than $500. And You know, if we're not going to get the Nord 3, which, you know, obviously the Nord 2 was awesome, but that was last year. If we're not going to get that, I'm saying like, get us something, you know, that's close. Because it's if it's not flagships you're after in OnePlus, I get it, that's fine. But just give us something that we can sink our teeth into. There is no phone right now in the lineup that I can point my fingers at that is in that price range. Like I can say in the US buy the N200 5G and I say in the UK right now buy the Nord 2 from last year. But there's, you know, unless you want to go flagship, but there's I, I nothing else. And there's a big gap between the N200 5G, which is 200 bucks, right, roughly. And the all the way up to the uh, One Plus, you know, 10 Pro or whatever. So the Nord non non-N series is kind of what I would love to see T-Mobile do. That's yeah. just me.
1: If we're if we're offering our advice to uh, OnePlus and T-Mobile, uh, I would uh, also, do. Uh, yeah, my uh, my two cents. Uh, please reconsider this software rebase and go back to rolling your own. Do, do not do this unification. Do not do a unified approach for two different markets that need two different things out of software. Uh, software that's going to be popular and loved and uh, appreciated by the sensibilities of the uh, of Chinese consumers is probably not going to be appreciated and loved by uh, U.S. consumers. So please. Go back to the old Oxygen OS, or at least maintain independent development. Don't force these things to be one and the same.
0: You're dreaming, my friend. It's never going to happen. I know. I'm sorry. Um, So this C2, I just want to touch on it quickly because John's review, the reason I picked it is because I think he nailed everything on it. it. And I can only say that because of my experience with all the Oppo phones and the OnePlus. I don't have this phone. I don't know for sure. But... It reeks of me as a rebranded Realme phone of some kind. Um, not even an Apple. I know cosmetically it looks more like an Apple than a Realme, but this is reeking of, of a Realme rebrand spec-wise and price-wise. And that's not a bad thing, but it's really sad that this is the first OnePlus phone The N10 5G was a little Oppo-ish to me, but the N200 5G felt very OnePlus. So it's possible. There's a CMF, again, material color finishes here, combination that can be OnePlus. And this is not it on this OnePlus C2. This is an Oppo CMF with a Realme spec sheet at a Realme price point. And again, it's BBK part-spinning here. You know, somehow Xiaomi does the part-spinning thing to death and manages to pull it off. BBK, please look at what Xiaomi's doing. If you're going to part-spin to death, please do it right. That's all I'm going to say. Give each brand its identity. Poco does not look like Redmi and does not look like Xiaomi. Yet, they are spec-wise so similar on so many fronts. I love that they have their own brand identity, though it really makes a difference, you know? So yeah, I don't know. What do you think of this phone? I mean, you haven't touched it, but you saw the review, so...
1: I, I haven't touched it. It looks interesting. I, uh, I'm i not a big fan of is changing industrial design, especially when it comes to these, uh, like... Everyone's taking this route of, well, the cameras need to be so big. Let's stop trying to hide them. Let's make them a feature. Let's draw it <laughs> out. And, uh, I mean, you saw uh, Zach's uh, torture test the other day where he bent yep. a uh, OnePlus 10 Pro completely in half. Um, so I'm... I'm Clearly they're compromising in terms of engineering when, when they're trying to, to come up with the CMF, uh, that, that you describe. And like you said, like all they're doing is tossing a shade of Nord blue on this and considering it a one plus phone, really. And I'm, yeah. I wish that they would go back to doing a more unique, uh, they were they were on track to have their own branding i feel like starting around the 1 plus 6 1 plus 7 and there was a direct lineage of you know that that central camera back and the yeah. horizon line top and bottom but they've become so messy choosing pieces like you say out of the bbk parts bin that they haven't kept up that sort of consistency and design that they did when they only had one or two models now it's just all over the place. You can kind of tell a OnePlus phone by like the color and maybe the camera bump, but that's about it. Uh, the Hasselblad branding does more for me to indicate that something's going to be a OnePlus phone than just about any other identifying characteristic.
0: Yeah, but the Hasselblad branding is now on the Oppo Find X5 Pro. It's like, Pete was like, no, you can't have that either, OnePlus. Yeah. It's like, I, I hate to say this, but does Pete have an issue with the company he started? Because, you know, he's destroying OnePlus right now. and And I think that's what Carl left because Carl didn't want to have anything to do with it. That's kind of the more, like, I kind of jokingly said that last year because I wasn't sincerely, seriously thinking that. But the more I'm thinking it, and again, I'm not upset at, you know, Pete, he's a businessman. He's proven that he can run a business successfully. And if that's what you want to do, just have Apple phones in the US in the mid-range, essentially under the the OnePlus brand instead of Apple. That's okay. I I mean, that's your prerogative. I just don't think it's where you should be. I think that in the same way as you make excellent versions of phones for India, you should be making excellent versions of phones for the US and for Europe under the OnePlus brand. But that's just me, you know?
1: So one one interesting anecdote that I can share, and I don't know necessarily how truthful it is. Uh, I generally t- trust the source that, uh, that told it to me, but I, d- I don't have all the particulars. Uh, so one interesting thing about uh, the breakup between uh, um, Pete and Carl um, has to do with the Nord, I was told, the original Nord, uh, that... Uh, uh, apparently Carl sort of took the authority under himself. You remember how they talked about how it was developed yeah, yeah. in uh, a very, very small period of time in uh, uh, Northern Europe, as opposed to, you know, in China, where all of the other uh, uh, OnePlus products were presumably developed um, over a much longer time period. Um, I guess he sort of just kind of did it Um I again, you know, I I don't know how truthful this is, but I was told he just, under his own authority, sort of in secret, created the Nord and that that might have had something to do with his departure as well.
0: But it nailed it. The original role it was a masterpiece. And it, the Nord too. he had nothing to do with it. It was also a masterpiece. I don't get it. Like, some people at OnePlus are still doing it, right? You know? Um, I would assume. I don't know. But yeah. you know the other thing I want to point out about the C2 before we wrap up and continue with a bunch of news items is that the review, you'll see one of the photos is really telling here of the, uh, the display. So I have a few BBK group phones here, Realme, Oppo, um, that landed in the last two or three months. Uh, I'd say since CS. And then I have a few, uh, Xiaomi phones as well, Poco and Redmi's that have landed. And that are also really on the affordable range, like two to $300 price point. And one big change I'm seeing is everybody switching to OLED. That started last year, right? At that price point. But there's a cheaper variety of OLED that's surfacing. And it's not bad in terms of quality. still on OLED. There's no complaints. But there's one negative with all of these this year. They are not just the highest refresh rate, for one thing. They're 90 hertz typically. Maybe sometimes 120. But they are cheaper insofar that they all have a chin, meaning that somehow there is a need for uh, some space to connect the display to the motherboard.
1: And they're rigid, which, they're rigid panels, so you can't bend it.
0: Probably. But the point is that um, that's why you look at this phone, you're like, why so much chin? This is not an LCD. And a lot of them, well, this one, I think has an in-display fingerprint sensor, but a lot of them also have a power button-based fingerprint sensor capacitive instead of, in display, So I think what's happening here is that, you know, we're pushing OLED downer in the price range, which is great because I, I want to see that because the displays are really good still, folks, I'm not complaining, but it's just the compromises, you know, to keep that price point, you get a, you know, you get more bezel at the bottom. So you're seeing that here, it's particularly obvious here. And, you know, it's obvious on my Realme 9 Pro Plus, the one with the YS I was just raving about. Uh, it's also obvious on the on the Note series The Note 11 that just came out from Redmi, Uh, some of the upcoming Poco phones I can't talk about. You'll see, Um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, it's something. I don't know. I mean, you know, whatever. I suppose at two hundred bucks, you're just going to be happy if you get an OLED, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's a bummer that there's a chin, but at least you're getting an OLED at that price.
0: (laughs) So the last BBK Group thing I want to talk about really quickly is that the launch of the EQ IQ. I don't know how to say that name. IQOO, they've been around forever. They're a Vivo sub-brand. Uh, I've got the IQEQ7 Pro here, which is a BMW-branded phone from last Another year. Another one? A, a Snapdragon. They do one every time. Every time they're the top brand version that has a, a BMW. Like, you know, who was it doing Lamborghini phones? Uh, was it Xiaomi? Yeah. Anyway, the point is, this is also available as a BMW version. But it's interesting because, <sighs> Ryan... I have a good PR contact at EQ and Vivo, and they keep me in the loop, but I never saw the EQ8, and and I thought, oh, maybe they skipped a number, but I googled it, it existed. So it seems like every three months they're launching a new phone, basically, because the, the EQ7, I have a Snapdragon 888, has OIS on the cameras, it's a really great phone, honestly, it's really nice. But this thing looks like basically a clone of the Vivo X70 Pro series, but uh, re, you know, with new, new, different chips and it's an India phone and it's got the gimbal from the Vivo phones and um, a nice Samsung GN5 50 megapixel megapixel uh, sensor, which is going to be incredible on in low light. So I think this is a, an interesting phone. Of course, you'll never see it anywhere in the West uh, or maybe in some parts, but you know, still worth noting, right? Probably. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, other than the do we need a Vivo subbrand? Is Vivo not obscure enough already?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean uh, uh, the Indian market is a unique and really fascinating one. Uh, they're so spec driven people they're upgrade uh, much more frequently than they do in other markets. And they're much more price conscious. Uh, I don't mean they're cheap, but I mean like they, they look at the the, the the cost they have general consumers that look at the spec to price ratio at a way in a way that you know, allegedly more sophisticated consumers in the United States don't pay any attention to, which I think is fascinating. They're a much more technical audience. Um, and so I, looking at this, if you're saying this is, you know, a three month later re-release of some other phone that was destined for the market and they're doing uh, as, as many models per year as you're saying, that all fits with what I know, what little I know about, uh, that very interesting market where people are upgrading very, very frequently and they want these latest specs. So seemingly incremental minor improvements. You rush them to market, but after you've sold all of your product, you're going to sell these again. So it's, I, I bet it'll work.
0: What's interesting here is that we're getting a Snapdragon 888 plus on the top model and we're getting, so not an HN one, we're getting uh, the gimbal cam I mentioned, we're getting 120 watt wire charging and the first for any EQ phone ever. Wireless charging and not just wireless charging, but BPA Group's 50 watt crazy wireless charging. So, the thing is hot and it the is pricing in India is just out of this world. $870 for that thing, whew, it's a decent value. Up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think there's going to be a regular nine coming out, uh, with potentially a uh, MediaTek chip. This is my, uh, my, my gut feeling because I thought for sure this had the, 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 one of the new dimensions in it, but maybe it's, the nine. I don't know. I don't know. This is not even. They don't put they don't give me stuff on embargo yet at Vivo. So I I have no insider info. Um, unlike other BBK group areas. Um anyway, uh some other news items. Uh okay, I had to put this one in here just because <laughs> we're not gonna get this phone in the US. Um, there's no way because is not gonna give us this. Moto's gonna keep this to probably Asia and somewhere or another, but the Moto Frontier is rumored to be the super high-end flagship that we all, always all wanted from Moto. And it's going to have a 194 megapixel main sensor. That's uh, big. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, let's pixel bin this. 16 to 1?
1: I don't even know. I'd have to sit down and do the Hang math on. on that.
0: I'm doing some math. 194 divide by 16 is... No, is it 16? No, it's going to be divide by 4. So we want 48? No, that doesn't make sense. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be divide by 8, right? Yeah, divide by 8. So 194 divide by 8 is 24 megapixels.
1: Hmm. That sounds about right.
0: Anyway, it's got a pixel building in that crazy You get this. I, I, it's got to be. I don't see how... I'm
1: curious to see if there's anything else that's happening in the pipeline, like what Samsung's doing with their multi-frame binning on the, uh, S 22, uh, ultra, where you have the, you know, some yeah. shots in full res, some in bin res, and you overlay them.
0: I kind of love this idea, you know, get the chroma data from the low res version because we're less sensitive to color and get the, uh, luminance, the light data from the high res version. So we get all the detail. Um, You know, video has been doing that for a long time, even in analog. Yeah. Back in the days of VHS, I know I'm dating myself here, but when Super VHS came out, the only thing they improved was the bandwidth. uh, This was all analog on the light signal, not the color signal. And so you got higher res, but in terms of color, you still had the low res color, but it looked so much better simply because uh, the, basically the you know, pixel, there's no pixels in VHS, but the pixel resolution, it's lines and that. But there you go. I've dated myself now. More importantly, those of you who are analog nerds out there, that was for you because you know what? All that stuff became digital and now we're benefiting from it too. But it looks like a beast, right?
1: It does. It looks fairly capable. I mean, uh, you know my opinion regarding um, Motorola. I think that if there is a way- You just roll your eyes the instant
0: you hear the word moto?
1: If there's a way they can shoot themselves in the foot on a given launch, they will. Uh, They will find a way to make what is a good product uh, somehow bad or dumb.
0: Oh, it's so true. I, I want to love them because they have such good people running a show over there, but their products, I really hope they can give us the Edge 30 plus or whatever, the one they just launched in some markets, but in the US, I hear rumors that potentially we're getting something, but. You know, after last year's really disappointing Edge Plus or whatever it is that they gave us, I was just like, please shoot me now. And, you know, honestly, the last three 4G phones they sent me, the 22 models, there was the uh, the G Plus and the G Power and then the G Stylus 4G.
1: The like pile of them they released last you know, year.
0: They're all 50 megapixel sensors that are super cheap, like Omnivisions or something. And that plus Moto's complete lack of ability to make a camera to save its life makes it worse than shooting with a 13 or a 16 megapixel sensor on a OnePlus N200 5G, you know? I believe it. It's kind of disappointing. I was really hoping, I'm like, oh, a 15 megapixel sensor, maybe they're actually doing something new and exciting. But I mean, look, I don't want to rail on Moto too much. Like It's too easy to, it's to do. It's just There's too such- easy. Yeah. Exactly.
1: But they're, they're subsidizing everything off of their mid-range market. The lower-end yeah. stuff is what sells. You'd, you'd hope that one of these days, uh, throwing all of the money that they make off of the one at failed flagship attempts, they'd finally, like, break through. But
0: Yeah, we'll see. Let's talk about Osamu. Awesome. Is that what it is? Awesome, yeah. Awesome, is oh that's uh, that's a, that's the point. Uh, awesome OV one. Okay, so I need you to take lead on this for just a few minutes. Give us a quick load on because we've got to run. But I didn't even hear about this breakout team of essential people creating their own company when it was announced in 2020, and here we are. So fill me in.
1: Uh so short version: I got to sit down and speak with the uh, uh, two of the founders um, late last year. And uh, yeah, they're, they're rising from the, the ashes of what's left of Essential. Sans Andy Rubin, he's not involved. Uh, and they're building a phone. Um, I got to sit down and talk with them about a couple of the technical details. Uh, they didn't have specs to share yet. Details have been trickling out over time. Uh, one of the, informi- uh, the images we saw uh, in the post you referenced uh, recently regarding some new colors indicates it might have wireless charging. But we don't know things like chipset. We don't know things like uh, display, cameras, none of that yet. Um, but, uh, speaking to the company, I was told that they're going to be going for very stock-like software approach, uh, not like Moto stock-like, but like potentially partnering with another company. Um, there's been some teasing back and forth on Twitter that makes it seem like Graphene OS might end up inside of it. And they're a well-known oh. ROM. Uh, they make a, you know, security and privacy focused ROM for, uh, Pixel phones. Um, so that, that, uh, that could be one avenue whereby they fulfill that promise. Um, and, uh. One of the colors for the phones, the Borealis Green, uh, looks a whole lot like uh, yeah. Ocean Depths PH1, which is my favorite color combination of any phone ever. Those so copper good. rails and that green uh, looked so good.
0: agree. agree. Yeah, it looks interesting. And I, I'm just really happy this is happening. And, you know the more, the better. I love these little startups that are you know, doing things like rumors of call and nothing doing a a smartphone. We I'm covered that last I'm excited about that week. too. Yeah, I'm more... super excited about it, but it's logical. Like when I heard he was breaking out to create nothing. And then there were like earbuds. I'm like, seriously, everybody's making earbuds. Come on. You can do better than that. And uh, don't get me wrong. I have the buds. They're fantastic for the money. I think they're great. But like, you know, I'm more excited about him, especially after he gave us the Nord. That was such a great phone, if you can replicate that. Um, I know he's probably not going to make a lot of money on it, but, uh, you know, who makes money on making phones? You know, who knows? Apple?
1: <laughs> he's seen the success OnePlus has had now with uh, getting carrier partnerships. He might have the uh, impetus if it's going to be targeting the U.S. Uh, market first to get a carrier partnership going. And if that's the case, they'll have everything they need to hit, to hit the ground running because that's really your biggest hurdle is being on shelves.
0: 100%. Timo, we have high hopes for what you're going to do with uh, Kyle. And hint, hint. hint. <laughs> and then the last bit of item, it's mostly, you know, because I feel Daniel Bader's pain here. <laughs> I don't really care so much, but there was rumors for a while that we were going to get a 5G BlackBerry phone with a keyboard, you know? they they And it's just not happening anymore. It's just dead, 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 dead. It's sad. Onward Mobility is a company that, based in Austin, that acquired the, the BlackBerry name after TCL was done playing with it. You know, kind of TCL threw it up in the air and, you know, Onward Mobility caught it and they were like, we're going to make a keyboard phone, Android with 5G. And then that was what, 2021 or something? or 2020 a while ago and apparently they shut they shut down they're they've gone bankrupt or something out of business so ah one more minute of blackberry death as
1: dead as the keyboard
0: phone form factor so dead except for planet computers astro slide 5g yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Super niche. But look, this is good. I love niche phones. Niche phones are good.
1: Yeah, to be fair, so do I. I think that it's interesting when when companies try to push the envelope and do weird stuff. Some of it sticks, but I don't think yeah. that a keyboard is something that's going to stick. We've moved past that.
0: I think we're all past that. And I think it's all for the better. Just go buy a gaming phone instead, folks. If you want to have a hardship <laughs> there, there with go. software and cameras, you can do better than a keyboard phone.
1: Uh, <laughs> Although bringing things back around to uh, BlackBerry, uh, the dream of a Canadian phone is not dead. Awesome, is a Canadian company. They're from uh, oh, they're from nice the French Canada. The that one,
0: yes, that one over there. That, we try to keep it at bay, literally Hudson Bay. <laughs> As a Canadian, I know my geography. Okay. Um, anyway, we should wrap it up on that note. We can before we it gets can. too silly. Uh, Ryan, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, all your social media handles and everything else? Uh,
1: yeah, they can find me at, uh, at Ryan Higger. That's at R-Y-N-E-H-A-G-E-R, because I spell my name funny.
0: Well, mostly, yes. Yeah. And you should definitely follow Ryan on Android Police as well. Great writing over oh, there. I do write
1: at Android Police. That's fair. That's, that's an important point to make. I have an <laughs> employer.
0: Yes. <laughs> you are still there. So folks definitely comment on twitter and let us know your questions and feedback um you know where to find me on the internet i'm at tank girl that's t-n-k-g-r-l that's both on instagram and on twitter that's like the comic book character tank girl without the vowels. so You know, you can hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram. Instagram is really mostly where I put pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones. A lot of pictures of cars since I write car reviews for Tech Radar. So you'll see phones and cars. And if you see the uh, details in the writing, I always tell you which phone I've used to take the photo because I'm a nerd like that. Also, there's a couple of YouTube channels you should subscribe to that are complementary to this podcast for visuals. You'll see generally unboxings and other things like that. One is YouTube.com. .com/mobiletech podcast and the other one is youtube.com/mobiletech more. The first is mostly phone related and audio accessory related mostly. And then the second is all the peripheral stuff like uh, home automation, car tech, travel tech, things that interface with a smartphone but don't really neatly fit into phone purely or audio which are kind of my my two passions, photography and audio and phones. The things I go for. So, uh, yeah, check out those channels. You know how YouTube works. Just like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little notification bell. And then, you know, of course, comment because, you know, even if you want to comment about the podcast, I'll respond to the comments because, you know, you need a place to, a forum, as it were. The podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, everywhere good podcasts can be found. Those of you who know what VHS is can also subscribe via RSS. And uh, then, of course, you know, if your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. It really helps with discovery. I'd appreciate it. And finally, some of you already watching, I know this. But for those of you who aren't, yes, there is a video version of this podcast And you have to be a patron on Patreon for that. So I want to thank my Patreon community. It's on patreon.com slash TNKGRL. That's patreon.com slash tankgirl. If you want to help me out with this podcast, the only way I can really make it happen is with your support. So Patreon is the way to get it. The video version is one of the tiers. You get the video a little earlier than the audio and you get it a little bit less edited. So you get a little uncut action. And uh, more importantly... You know, there's a Discord server you can join and you help out, which is really great. So consider joining Patreon. And speaking of nice rhymes, I want to thank Adrian L. who joined Patreon. Adrian, Patreon, you see. Uh, Thanks so much for joining this week. And uh, yeah, finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible's been with us since the early days and they're awesome. They're the number one audiobook platform. And if you're like me and you like to read a lot, you know, it's a great solution to my reading troubles. I'll tell you why. I'm in front of a computer all day long, and my eyes get tired. And at the end of the day, when I want to chill out, I don't want to look at another screen again. So I get audible to read me books, or if I'm on a road trip and I'm driving, generally I'm the driver, I love driving, so I want to be entertained, everybody else in the car is asleep or whatever, I put an audiobook book on, it's great. It keeps me on the edge of my seat, it's great. So check out Audible. They're a great sponsor. If you love books as much as I do, they have a great selection. A lot of books are read by the authors. They have short stories. They have podcasts. They have a whole bunch of stuff. And so you should check it out and help us out. You get a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end if you want. If you don't want it to join and stay, you still keep a book. So you get a good deal. But I think you will join and you will love it after you try it out for 30 days. The URL for that is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. So please help them help us and all that good stuff. And I want to thank Audible again for being our sponsor. And I want to thank you, Ryan, yet again, for being my guest on the show. It is always fun to be here, Miriam. 100%. We will have you on again at some point soon. And folks, you know we'll have another podcast next week at some point. I'm not sure exactly when, but it might even be a group podcast with everyone I can rally up in Barcelona. So stay tuned for that, folks. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.